0: Hi, this is Pastor Daniel Bracken. You're listening to Kings Alaska Podcast. I hope the Word encourages you and you get a touch from God that brings transformation and equips you to experience life with people, power, and purpose. Thank you for joining us. Enjoy the Word. Today I want to speak to you on the subject of what are God's four spiritual laws and Some of you perhaps have heard the phrase "for spiritual laws. It's been around for quite some time, used by many in Bible education, pastoral ministry and so on. But I think I probably should pause and give credit to a man by the name of Dr. Bill Bright because he's probably the one who uh, made it internationally famous if you don't know dr bill bright it's not important but he was the founder of campus crusade for christ which is an international collegiate ministry that has touched only god knows how many thousands upon multiple thousands of young people with the evidences of the gospel and people that have found faith in a college university that uh, probably had no other way of bridging people from education to god so i want to just nod and give recognition to a precious man I had the privilege of meeting him twice he's in heaven and a real hero in the faith but I want you to know uh, what those four spiritual laws are because whether you spend eternity in heaven or hell actually depends upon your understanding of this subject now for those of you who have never said under the ministry of an evangelist my job is to keep you out of hell My job is to help you find your way to heaven. My job is to help you understand that there's not only a real God, but that he loves you, has a plan for your life, and only through his grace and the salvation that he offers can you have real relationship with him. And I want to be clear as we begin. I'm not asking you to join a church. There are a lot of people that go to church that go to hell. You can go to church every Sunday of your life and still die and not be right with God. Going to church no more makes you a Christian than going to an Italian restaurant makes you Italian. Going to Taco Bell doesn't make you Mexican and going to Alaska on a plane doesn't make you rugged. Trust me, I've seen some of those people on the plane that I thought perhaps had missed their flight to another location. So, when I'm done speaking in just a few moments, I'm going to give you an opportunity to pray with me. Because Jesus didn't die on the cross to give you a religion, He died on the cross to give you a relationship. And one of the biggest hurdles in American quote unquote evangelical believism is we get a little too carried away with denominationalism. And people, when you talk to them, instead of speaking from the truth of god's holy word uh, they'll retreat to i'm catholic or i'm baptist or i'm presbyterian or i'm methodist and on and on and on with all of the denominations that we have both in this country and around the world let me just help you with something jesus never created any denominations denominations were created by men because human nature is we want to be around people that look like us dress like us believe like us and talk like us We have a weakness in humanity to form cliques and clubs of people that make us feel safe and don't confront us with truth. When you get to heaven, there's not gonna be a section for Catholics or Presbyterians, and there aren't gonna be angels at the gates of glory saying all of the Baptists over this way, all of the Presbyterians over here, Catholics back over here, all you Pentecostals, way back in the woods where you won't bother anybody. So I'm going to confront you with a very simple question. And at the end, I want you to pray with me if you can't answer this with a definitive yes. And the question is simply this. Do you have a clear, distinct memory of a time in your life when you have repented of sin and asked Jesus Christ to be your Lord and Savior? Do you have a clear, distinct memory Of a time in your life when you've gotten down on bended knees in the presence of a holy God and admitted your sin, repented of your sin, and asked Jesus Christ to be your Lord and Savior. Because if you haven't done that, you might be a good person or a religious person or a moral person or a person of integrity or you run your business justly, but you're not a real Christian according to the Bible. And now you're going to understand why, because I'm going to show you the four spiritual laws. Romans chapter 5, if you have your Bible, go down to verse 6. Romans chapter 5, go down to verse 6. I'm going to read through verse 11, and I'm reading out of the New Living Translation. The Apostle Paul is the author of the book of Romans. He said in verse 6, when we were utterly helpless... Christ came at just the right time and died for us sinners. Now, most people would be willing, not be willing to die for an upright person, though someone might perhaps be willing to die for a person who is especially good. But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us While we were still sinners, and since we have been made right in God's sight by the blood of Christ, he will certainly save us from God's condemnation. For since our friendship with God was restored by the death of his son, while we were still his enemies, we will certainly be saved through the life of his Son. So now we can rejoice in our wonderful new relationship with God because our Lord Jesus Christ has made us friends of God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we never open up the Bible without a sincere awareness of our total dependence upon you. And so I humble my heart once again in your holy presence and before these precious people. And I pray that you would anoint and equip my mind, body, and spirit to communicate eternal truth in a way that will be clear, easily understood. And in the moments to come when I give the invitation to turn from sin and turn to Christ, I pray that you'll give people the faith and the courage and the humility to make that decision. I pray that not one person within the sound of my voice will be missing in eternity's morning. I pray that each and every one would be accounted for. And I pray not only for them, but I pray for what was referenced in the book of Acts in the New Testament as household salvation, that they not only would be ready to meet the Lord, but that you would give them every member of their family, every son, every daughter, Every grandchild, every member of their home be eternally together in the joy of the Lord. And Father, I thank you that every power of sin is broken, every captive is set free. No one within the sound of my voice is imprisoned by sin, but in the presence of God and in the integrity of the Bible, every prison door is open and every captive has the ability to stay in or walk out today. In Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. And Amen. One of the things that social media reinforced for me in the last couple of years with comments from all over the world is how commonly the comments were a question that basically, and it's not always word for word, although for some it is exactly as I'm about to read it word for word, but one of the most common questions that comes into me around the world through every platform you can imagine is, how can I know that I have peace with God? A lot of people, it's not that they hate god or don't believe in god they just have never been taught or they have been mistaught and they perhaps have been around christians that are offensive or mean-spirited or hypocritical and you know everybody has their reason as to why they don't believe in god or that's not for me and for some people it's a christian that hurt them or offended them I remember years ago, uh, a a man that I led to the Lord, he came to the Lord in one of our lost lamb crusades, gave his heart to Christ, and uh, still serving the Lord, amazing what God did with his business when he got right with God. He went from uh, hanging on by a thread, owing the IRS over $400,000 in penalties, and on and on and on, uh, to today he's a multi-millionaire, and God has blessed him beyond measure, And one day he called me, and uh, we lived about 1,000 miles apart. He said, Tiff, I have an idea. I have 42 employees at um, my factory that's closest to my house, and I've been praying for them and asking God that they might come to know the Lord. Would you be willing to fly down here and speak to my employees? I said, well, I would. What's your plan? He said, well, I've told them that I'm going to invite you to come, And I told them that if they would listen to you for an hour, whatever their wage is, I'll give them double time, and I'm going to cater a really nice lunch, and uh, I'm going to see if they would come. I said, well, let's give it a shot. And so I made the trek and uh, went into the factory and got there at about 11.30 before lunch. And his father was there, and his father was probably in his mid-70s at that point. And John warned me, he said, I'm going to introduce you to my father, but I just want to give you a heads up. He hates Christians and really hates preachers. And I said, well, what would make him have such hard feelings? He said, well, when he was younger, he worked here in a factory in Pennsylvania. And there was one of the guys at the factory that was uh, a Christian, claimed to be a Christian, carried his Bible to work, was always witnessing to people. And one day he came to my dad and he said, uh, can I borrow... Uh, some money. He said, I don't have money for groceries, and as soon as I get to pay day, I'll, I'll pay you back, but uh, I really need to uh, feed my kids, and and can you help me out? He said, my da- dad gladly did. He said, he gave him $20, He said, which back in that day was uh, a lot of money, and he said, the guy never ever mentioned it again, never paid my dad back, and he said, I remember as a kid, my dad saying, "You know,, eh, you know those Christians." Are he said he just from that moment forward, he just everything in our house was always about religion. It was a nightmare. Dad hated God, hated Christians, hated preachers. So don't be surprised if when I introduce you to him, he has some comments." And uh, I said, duly noted." And so when we went in and he introduced me to his father, and he was sitting there with his arms crossed, "Hey." And he just kind of, you know, a little bare ground. That was about all I got out of him. And uh, so I reached into my pocket and I pulled out my wallet. And uh, I took out a $50 bill and I folded it up. And I, I was a lot bigger than he was. And uh, I went over and I tucked it in his flannel shirt pocket. And he said, like, hey, what are, you, what are you doing? I mean, he was about ready to go to war. And I just took his wrist and threw it to his side. I said, you're going to take that. Why in the world? You know, and he's cussing and upset. I said, I heard you hate preachers and hate God and hate church because some Christian ripped you off for $20. Well, what does that have to do with you trying to shove money in my pocket? You don't know me. I said, well, I know you well enough to know that I can't see you go to hell over 20 bucks." So here's your 20 bucks back with some interest. And it locked him up. His eyes got red with tears, and he got up and left. So when I was speaking to the 42 employees, I presented the gospel very clearly, gave the invitation. And I noticed as I was speaking that his father came in and sat in a folding chair on the back of the factory wall and was listening. And I said, when I give this invitation, I'm going to do it just like I do it in our lost lamb crusades. The Bible said, if you confess me publicly before men, I'll confess you openly before my Father, which is in heaven. Now, we're not in a church, and there's no stained glass in this factory. But as surely as I'm here and this Bible is here, God is here. And I'm going to challenge you, if you're willing, to repent of sin and receive the forgiveness of God and begin a relationship with Him today by faith in Christ alone, to get up from wherever you're sitting and come and kneel on this concrete floor in this factory and pray with me what many people call a sinner's prayer. And everybody but two people came forward. I found out later that the two people were Baptists and already saved. But the 40 other people and then John's dad all came in that factory, knelt beside me, gave their hearts to Christ. Uh, We sent them Bible studies for years And uh, John conducted our Bible studies there for years with his employees. He said it just completely changed not only their lives, but our company, our factory, and so on. Friend, when you get right with God, God not only forgives your sin, God not only gives you a fresh start, life changes for the better when you make peace with God. So here are the four spiritual laws, and we pray. I always encourage people to take notes. Uh, When you come to hear me speak, bring your Bible, bring a way of taking notes, bring a highlighter, because some of these classic passages in your Bible uh, need to be highlighted, and uh, the average person retains less than 20% of what they hear, but your digital tablet or your pen has a 100% retention rate. So, I always feel like if people are going to be diligent students of the Bible, they should always, in the presence of the Bible, be ready to take notes. That's just a good habit. It's one that I practice myself. Uh, I don't get to go to my home church that often, but every Sunday when I'm home, Judy and I get up, and we go to church. And when I go to church, I take my Bible, I take a way of taking notes, I take a pen, I take a highlighter, and I... Uh, Take notes every time my pastor speaks. If you want to be a student of the Bible, you must not only be a hearer, you must be a doer. And to do that, you have to retain. And it's just simple science, biological, uh, intellectual truth. People who take notes are smarter. Thank you for all those amens. Law number one, God loves you. The Bible tells me in Genesis chapter 1 that you were created in the image of God. You did not evolve from a monkey. You were created in the image of God. And because you were created in the image of God, and of all that God created, only the human race was created in His image, you were not only created in His image, you were created with His DNA, as it were, seeds of greatness are inside every human heart. And regardless of what you've done, God loves you. But that is not a forever opportunity. It is a limited time offer. Because the Bible said, all unrepented sin is being stored up for a day of wrath when God will judge the ungodly. So to continually spit on the grace of God and continually trample under feet the mercies of the Lord, there is a payday someday. There is a payday someday. Sooner or later, your sins are going to have irreversible consequences. There's a window of grace, and I can't tell you how long it is for some people it seems to be incredibly merciful how long God puts up with their sin and their rebellion and their flesh and their carnality and their arrogance and then some people it seems like they don't have a very long span of time and the wheels fall off the wagon people say why is that is God one who shows favor to some and not to others all I can tell you is in the Bible God said I'll show mercy on whoever I want to show mercy to. God in his sovereign will decides who gets mercy more than others. And the simple fact is we all know people who their sins hit them at an early age and they were paying payday and the consequences of sin at a very early age when seemingly other people who are more wicked seem to get away with it. But I am here to tell you I'm not in charge of your expiration date. But I am here to tell you there is a payday someday. But the most memorized verse in the Bible is John 3:16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. God loves you. He does not want you to face wrath. He does not want you to face judgment. God, listen, God doesn't send anybody to hell. People say, I can't believe a God of love would ever send anybody to hell. How can you preachers preach God is love and then turn around and say there's a hell and God sends people to hell? It's because he doesn't send them there. Hell was not created for the human race. Matthew said it was created for the devil and the fallen angels. The words of Jesus in the Gospel of Matthew, hell was created for the devil and the fallen angels. If you go to hell, it'll not be because God sent you there. It will be because when he offered you his love, his forgiveness, his mercy, like a morning in Alaska, like today, you turned, walked out of church, and dismissed it as if it were something unimportant. No one will stand before God and say, you never gave me a chance. If you've never heard the gospel before in your life, your days of saying, God never gave me a chance, ended the morning you walked in and decided you were going to listen to me preach. Because one of my goals when I'm done editing everything that I've studied to preach is I pray and ask the Lord, Father, be sure that I make it so clear that no one who ever hears Tiff Shuttlesworth preach will ever be able to stand in the presence of God and say, no preacher ever loved me enough to look me in the eyes and tell me the truth and offer to pray for me. Today's your first day. That chance is now gone. You will stand before God accountable and know that he loved you. Law number two, man is sinful and separated from God. You don't need to go to seminary to figure out that man by nature is sinful and selfish. The Bible says that because of Adam's sin, wherefore, in the book of Romans, wherefore by the sin of one man, sin entered the world and so death by sin. All of us were born with the computer program of sin nature already installed in the hardware. You don't have to teach kids how to sin. Within days of learning how to talk, they learn how to lie. Shortly thereafter, they learn how to take their little lies and pit mom against dad. They have the ability shortly thereafter to tell the most incredible fabrication you've ever heard and then look at you for not believing it like you're stupid. You don't have to teach anybody how to sin. The nature of flesh is sinful. It always moves away from God. If you follow your own will, your own way, your own aspiration, your own wisdom, your own knowledge, your own thought process, it will never lead you towards God. It will always lead you away from God. Sin separates us from God. God is holy and he hasn't changed. God is not a part of the woke culture. I guarantee you that. He said, I am the Lord thy God and I change not. The Bible said that the angels of the Lord walk in the mountains of God singing holy, holy, holy is the Lord. God by nature is holy. We by nature are sinful. And I love you enough to tell you your sin separates you from a holy God. And the Bible said the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ the Lord. James chapter 1 verse 15. The Bible said sin when it is finished brings forth death. Everything unrepented sin touches it destroys. It destroys health. It destroys minds, it destroys nations, it destroys politics, it destroys finances, it destroys marriages, it destroys families, it destroys everything that it touches. And the devil has many of you under the amnesia of thinking that it's all going to work out, but it's not going to work out. Sin, when it is finished, brings forth death. And if you are living in unrepented sin, you are in evolution process of heading towards death in some capacity. And then eventually, physical death. The Bible tells us, law number three, that Jesus Christ is God's only provision for your sin. You can't be good enough. You can't be moral enough. You can't give enough money to buy your way into heaven. It's like a kid. I remember as a young boy, used to play on a farm, helped out with the farmer on a little occasion at one time in my life. And uh, we used to love to play in the barn and and the haylofts and jump. It's a wonder we didn't kill ourselves. But I remember one time coming home from playing in the barn, and as soon as I got in the house, Uh, It was near supper time and my mother said, oh my goodness, you've been in the barn, haven't you? Yeah, we've been playing. Well, let me tell you something. You've got manure on you somewhere. (laughs) Before you come to the supper table, go take off your clothes, put them in the hamper and clean up before you come to the table. I was not allowed to have fellowship at the table until I dealt with the manure problem. Now, I could have gone out and picked my mother flowers and wrote a beautiful poem and showed up at the table with flowers and acts of kindness, acts of honor, read her a beautiful poem, touched her heart. She'd have said, thank you. Now, get upstairs and take your clothes off and wash up because the stench of manure is not removed by being nice. The stench of manure is not removed by picking flowers or being moral or being decent or giving to charity. Sin is a stench in the nostrils of God. And there is only one thing that cleanses us from the wickedness of sin. And it was the blood of his only son, Jesus Christ that's why the bible says in acts chapter 4 and verse 12 neither is there salvation in any other for there is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved and no preacher no scholar no theologian no series of messages preached well can fully help you to understand the depth Of the simple truth that when a person kneels in the presence of a holy God and recognizes their sin, repents of their sin, and receives Jesus Christ, a miracle takes place inside. And the curse of sin is broken. The curse of sin, the curse of sickness, the curse of lack. Every work of the devil against your life and against your purpose and against your destiny is broken in the moment when you in childlike faith ask God for salvation through his son Jesus Christ. Praise God. Romans 5.8 said, but God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us when we were still sinners. And law number four, you must personally and publicly receive Jesus Christ to begin a right relationship with God the Father. I always say personally and publicly because that's what Jesus taught. Everybody Jesus called to repentance in the New Testament, he called them personally and publicly. Every apostolic sermon in the book of Acts, they called them personally and publicly. Why personally? Because nobody can repent of your sins. Your mother can't pray enough to get rid of the stench of your sins. Her prayers may affect your life and your decisions and maybe tug you towards God, but that decision is personal. It's like nobody can get married for you. Nobody can show up on your wedding day and repeat the vows to your wife in your place. It is not a legal marriage until the personal relationship and the personal vow is said before God, family, and friends, and people say, well, it's just words on a piece of paper in some clergyman's hand that I'm... No, it is law. When the vow is repeated... And it's said in sincerity from the heart of one to the other. It is a legal binding till death do us part agreement. And Jesus said, it has to be personal. Your mom and dad might be wonderful children. You're not grandfathered in. God doesn't have any grandchildren. He only has sons and daughters. And the Bible said, as many as receive him, as many as believe on his name, he gives to them the power to become the sons and the daughters of God. Why publicly? Everybody Jesus called was publicly. I think Jesus wanted to make a point. The point being, there's no such thing as a camouflage Christian. There's no Christians in the closet. He said, if you're ashamed of me before men, I'll be ashamed of you before my Father, which is in heaven. And when you receive Christ personally and publicly, when you stand before God in eternity's morning, and I don't know for you when that will be, but when you stand before God in eternity's morning, if you received his Son personally and publicly, the Bible said he'll receive you on that day personally and publicly. The Bible went on to say, if you're ashamed of me before men, I'll be ashamed of you before my father and the angels. That's judgment day. And sooner or later, you may not believe in God now. Everybody will believe in God five seconds after they die. But it'll be too late. Where you spend eternity hinges upon what you do with the gospel of jesus christ in this life and let me help you as i close there's only two things you can do with it you can receive it or you can reject it if you receive it the bible says no matter what your sin no matter what your past he forgives and he'll forget but if you reject it there is a payday someday and you don't want to stand before god the last act on earth was the rebellion and rejection of God still harbored in your heart for in that day the Bible says he will pour out his wrath upon all the ungodly God loves you he does have a plan for your life but you're separated it's not just God's love God's also wrath. And in some churches, all you'll ever hear is God is love. And they never teach or preach that he's also a God of wrath. And you want to stand in the presence of God with the stench of sin thoroughly washed away. To get right with God, there's only three things you need to do. According to the Bible, not according to me, not according to denominational dogma. Number one, you have to recognize your sin. There has to be a time in your life when humility in the presence of God, you say, God, I know I've sinned. I know I've broken commandments. I know there's been stuff in my life that's been impure. God, you see everything I've ever done. You've heard every word I've ever said. The Bible says we'll give an account for every idle word. And by that standard, Now you understand why Paul wrote, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Number one, you have to recognize it. Number two, you have to repent of it. Repentance is not, I'm sorry I got caught. Repentance is willingly and openly coming to God, sorrowful for sin, and saying, Lord, I repent. You have to do it by faith, in childlike faith. Jesus said, unless you have faith like a child, you cannot enter into the kingdom. Well, Tiff, what what really is repent? I know we don't use that word in the 21st century. It's a biblical word that means make a U-turn. In its essence, it means make a U-turn. You've been walking in your own way, in your own will, in your own philosophical ideas as to how to live life. But you have to make a U-turn. Say, I don't understand everything about God. I don't understand everything about the Bible. But today in childlike faith, I make a U-turn. I turn my back on sin and I turn my heart towards God. And you have to begin just like a baby. You don't understand it all on the day you're born. But you progressively, he'll nurture you. He'll take care of you. He'll walk you through it. When you slip, like a good daddy, he'll grab you by the back of your neck and put you back on your feet and say, let's go, son. I'll help you. I'm here. Keep going. Don't give up. God will never give up on you if you don't give up on him. But you got to make your choice. Recognize you're a sinner. Repent of your sin. And then you have to receive Jesus Christ. No way around that got to make a decision on Christ I'm going to ask you to stand your feet and make that decision today I'm not going to embarrass you and I'm not going to keep you I want to pray with you so listen very carefully how many of you know beyond the shadow of a doubt this is not done impulsively and certainly not in arrogance or pride this has to come from your heart sincerely it's a it's a tough question but how many of you know beyond the shadow of a doubt that you have that memory of a time in your life when you've recognized your sin repented of your sin received jesus christ you've knelt in prayer and said lord forgive me come into my heart how many of you know that beyond a shadow of a doubt just raise your hand to pie put it right back down now for those of you who couldn't raise your hand or were hesitant. I didn't do that to single you out. I did that as a show and tell for you personally to close this service. Because if you couldn't lift your hand or you lift your hand impulsively because you didn't want to be singled out, but there's a big question mark in your heart. I flew to Alaska for you. If you're the worst sinner in Alaska, today I'm your best friend. I didn't come to judge you. I didn't come to hurt you. I came to call you to a decision that will change your life for the better. Because once you put your hand in the hand of Christ, life will always be forward and upward. It doesn't mean that you don't have tough times and go through stuff. But everything God touches grows. Everything God touches that lives pure will always multiply and grow all the days of your life. So if you couldn't raise that hand, they're going to lead a song of invitation. As they do, I'm just going to kneel here and I'm going to pray that God will give you the courage to do what you want to do. And I'm going to ask you to do it personally and publicly because I believe that people ought to be real men and women ought to be real women. And I believe that's best learned in the house of God by the precepts of the greatest book ever. I'm going to ask you to come and just meet me at this altar, and I want to pray a prayer with you. Listen, I'm not going to keep you. I'm not going to embarrass you. We're not asking you to join the church. Those things might be important a time in your life, but right now you're making peace with God. I always ask those that have the courage, will you be the very first ones to come as soon as the worship leader sings? Your courage will help somebody that doesn't have the courage you do. Christian, I'm going to ask you to do something that takes humility if you have a friend, a family member, someone you've invited, maybe someone sitting next to you, first time in church, second time in church, maybe you've never seen them, not forcefully, but just politely and in grace, turn to them and say, if you want to pray, I'll walk with you. If God's speaking to your heart by coming, listen, by coming to this altar, you're saying, Father, I recognize my sin don't understand it all, but by faith I'm willing to repent. And today I make a decision not to reject, but to receive Jesus Christ. If God's speaking to your heart, you come and then we'll pray. Oh, come to the altar, the Father. For every man that's here, I'd like to have some men. For every woman that's here, I'd like to have some women. Men with men, women with women. Those of you that are at this altar, I'm going to ask you to pray a prayer with me. Those of you that are watching, wherever you may be watching from, I want you to pray as well. If God's been speaking to your heart, and when we're done praying, if you live anywhere in the Wasilla Alaska area, I want you to go when you're done praying to KC Alaska and register your commitment and email, connect with the church. Let them know that you pray. They'll follow up on you. Everybody's somebody to go. If you're anywhere else in the world, when we're done praying, go to lostlamb.org. One word, lostlamb.org and click on New Beginnings and follow the prompts and we'll follow upon you as well. Let's pray together from your heart. You're talking to God. Just say, Heavenly Father, today as I was listening to the Bible, you were speaking to me. Down deep in my heart, I want to be right with God. I want to know my sins are forgiven and that I have right relationship with you. I admit my sin there's nothing in my life hidden from your eyes I repent I turn my back on sin and now I turn my heart to Jesus I receive salvation as the gift of God and I confess with my mouth Jesus Christ is Lord By your great grace, forgive me, cleanse me, purify my mind, my body, and my spirit. I vow this day I will serve the Lord in place of my weakness. Fill me with the Holy Spirit and give me your power to be what you want me to be. In Jesus' name, may my salvation touch my family. Let me be an example. May all whom I love follow in my footsteps and find peace with God. In Jesus' name. And all God's people said a big amen. Amen. Give the Lord a mighty hand of praise.